Alternative Radio. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness, and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning into the Age of Jeremy. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to welcome you. And if this isn't your first time tuning in, I want to thank you for coming back to our amazing show. If this is your first time, uh, this is a podcast by Jeremy Quintanilla, the founder of 3T Fitness and Age of Radio and some other stuff that we got cooking on. But essentially what I like to do in this podcast is tell you a little bit about what's going on with my business ventures. Hopefully you can learn something from my mistakes and hopefully you can also learn something from the things that I did right And then the other thing, too, is I really want to increase financial education for small business owners and for um, uh, uh, individuals or consumers or whoever, just anybody, anybody. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk to everyone about today, um, because if you uh, don't know, it's 2021 and it is tax time. Tax season is essentially upon us. So I kind of wanted to dive a little bit into that. But before we do that, we want to talk about some news, some stuff that's hot right now in the financial world. Actually, it's only one thing that's really hot right now. I mean, there's lots of stuff that's hot, but uh, I recommend that you go over to our friends at MarketWatch, MarketWatch.com. We are not sponsored by MarketWatch, but MarketWatch is a great place to sign up for some uh, newsletters uh, and to get some financial news. It comes throughout the day. It's really quick. Um, very good content, short content that you can digest really well. Uh, so that's MarketWatch.com. So that's where we get some of our news. Uh, but before we dive into that hot topic that I want to talk about, make sure that you subscribe to this show on whatever podcast app that you're listening to. Um, And then after the show, make sure that you leave us a review. That's how we can go up in the rankings and more people can learn about the financial goodness that we're giving out to the world. Uh, That also being said, go over to TikTok. I love TikTok. You should love TikTok also. Uh, You can follow me at uh, Age of Jeremy uh, TikTok. Uh, at Age of Jeremy. And you can also follow my good friend and business partner, uh, John Vasquez on TikTok at Coach JV underscore. You can also follow our good friend, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a uh, business associate of ours. Kevin, anytime. You should be able to find that on TikTok. I'm pretty sure it's Kevin anytime. Uh, Kevin, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I'll get your actual TikTok on here um, next time to make sure that we're, we're giving you some love. And then also make sure that you follow Age of Radio on Instagram and age of Jeremy on Instagram and follow me on Twitter at age of Jeremy Q, I think is what it is on Twitter. I think I've been saying the wrong thing on there. I don't know. And LinkedIn, if you do LinkedIn, I kind of backed away from LinkedIn for a couple of reasons. One, if you all know while I'm building my businesses, yes, 3T Fitness is a very successful business. I do not do that full time, yet I would rather all of the resources. What I do for 3T Fitness is the finances and strategic planning and things like that. I would prefer that that money goes towards our uh, building our staff, putting back into the company, growing that the company. So um, I currently still have a career um, at the bank. I love 
banking in general. Uh, I think it's just fascinating. The uh, the Treasury Department, our Federal Reserve, um, and then corporate banks as well. Um, I can't say the one that I uh, work at on here um, due to uh, legal ramifications, I suppose. Uh, so, but I do have a banking um, career as well. And, and so that career as a banker is the reason why I don't do the LinkedIn thing, just because there's a lot of people that work at that bank. And I just don't want uh, too much of the information about what I'm doing to come out essentially. And so, um, and so what I mean by that is not that there's anything wrong. It's just trying to keep it more private than I used to just because it's caused me some problems in the past and it's been kind of a pain in the butt. So we separate both of these things now and, uh, but hopefully we can do a lot more focal focusing on LinkedIn with age of radio, mainly because it's a great place to do business to business connections. And with the business to business, we can help with the business to business sales Hence, because Age of Radio mainly is a business-to-business moneymaker because we sell advertisements to companies as one of our main main products that we sell um, or main services that we sell, I guess you could say. All right, and that's the main reason why we don't do anything with LinkedIn um, is because of the... uh, trying to keep it separate. But if you want to follow us on LinkedIn um, or follow me on LinkedIn, it's a age of uh, it's at Jeremy Quintanilla. So no age of Jeremy. Um, so that was probably way more than you guys needed to know as far as the social media goes. Um, so just make sure that you follow, uh, get involved with the community as much as you can. Um, go look us up age of radio. That's uh, the main company that I focus on um, along with three T uh, fitness as the CFO. And so, uh, to kick this off, uh, if you follow John on, um, if you follow John at all on uh, TikTok, or you're part of our Warrior Academy, um, which you can follow, you can go to three um, T Warrior Academy dot um, com forward slash join, I think it is. And you can learn more about the 3T Warrior Academy. Um, but essentially, it's like mindset training, um, how to get into shape. Um, and then we've been doing a lot of stuff about generational wealth building. And one of the things that John talks a lot about on there is cryptocurrency. And so I would say that uh, if you're first listening to it, you might, he might sound kind of like a, um, kind of sound like a, uh, what's one of those, uh, a conspiracy theorist, um, but I, I think that um, that's not an accurate assessment of what John's trying to explain. He's trying to take the knowledge that he's learned as far as cryptocurrencies go, um, what he's personally done. And again, he's not a financial advisor and I'm not a financial advisor and kind of been showing people what he's doing. So we're just, he's just showing people what he is doing and he's been successful at some of it. And he also utilizes it to help teach people how to kind of think for themselves more and do the research and things like that. And so the reason why I just thought this was interesting, because I'm a fan of cryptocurrency, um, not to the extent that say other people are, or that John is. Uh, and so when I look at this market watch, 
article, it says, here's how Bitcoin could soon be worth $146,000, according to JP Morgan. So Bitcoin's nearly nonstop climb to new records has drawn the attention of Wall Street like few other securities in recent memory. So this is a market watch uh, article. The world's number one digital asset was recently trading at around 32000 on Tuesday, which is today, the day that this was recorded. You're listening to it on Wednesday, the 6th. Um, and JP Morgan Chase makes the case the blockchain-backed cryptocurrency could be valued at $146,000 in the not-so-distant future if it can continue to draw demand away from gold buyers as the, reachers at the, at the, as the researchers at the bank think it's already happening. The analysts point to outflow from gold-pegged exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, and inflows into a digital currency-focused trust sponsored by Grayscale. For example, as part of the evidence pointing to increased use of Bitcoin as a gold-like security, which would help to drive its price further into the stratosphere. Uh, Bitcoin's competition with gold has already started in our mind as evidenced by more than the $3 billion of inflows in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and the more than $7 billion of outflows from gold ETFs since mid-October. That being said, I think the, the Bitcoin piece is getting a little bit out of hand. I personally, like my personal opinion of it is I don't think that it's going to create, it's either starting to create a bubble and it's going to get to about 146,000 and then it's going to explode, or it's just going to keep climbing because more and people, more and more people put money behind it. So the, the thing that's interesting about Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the, the, how the blockchain is being utilized. And so the blockchain, if you're not familiar with it, and I'm not going to go super deep into this because the main thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was our, our taxes. And so, and because we're in tax season, but the blockchain is a specific type of database. And so it differs from a typical database in the way it stores information. So blockchains store data and blocks that are then chained together. So as new data comes in, it is entered into a fresh block. Once the block is filled with data, it is chained onto the previous block, which makes the data chain together in chronological order. Different types of information can be stored on a blockchain, but the most common use so far has been a ledger for transactions. So in Bitcoin's case, Blockchain is used in a decentralized way so that no single person or group has control. Rather, all users collectively retain the control. So decentralized blockchains are immutable, which means that the data entered is irreversible. For Bitcoin, this means that the transactions are permanently recorded and viewable to anyone. So essentially, a way to think about this is that Bitcoin is like a community coin essentially and so all of the information is available to people that utilize the blockchain and what's happening and so the idea behind it was that we didn't have a centralized location for the coin such as the united states mint or the the coin and the money is controlled by the government and so as we look at the future of tech and the moving away from government means and trying to create things community-based right, which is not to get completely off topic, which would be socialism or communism. We decentralize, the, we decentralize this coin or these coins so that everybody had access to them and not, no, any, not any one person owned them. In this case, 
the government. And so I would just recommend that you do some research on Bitcoin. There's some great books out there. Should you invest in Bitcoin? I don't see why that would be a problem. A lot of the times with these coins, when they're getting this high, they started doing slices. Um, so slices is something new that's, well, I don't know how new it is, but it's becoming more popular anyway through all of the, the trading apps that are uh, electronic or on your phone, right? So some of the, the trading apps will let you buy slices of the coin. So you can buy a percentage. So for instance, uh, the one that I'm interested the most in is Ethereum. So um, Ethereum is another coin. It's probably got a better run. It's probably got not a better run. Bitcoin's got, obviously got a really good run. If it can get up to 146,000, I would say the next best one is Ethereum. And so Ethereum is selling, last time I saw, was like 800 bucks or something along those lines. I don't really know what it did today. But if I wanted to buy, let's say, like 5% of, a, of an Ethereum coin, I could um, because I'm buying it co together collectively with other people. And so the same thing goes with stocks. Whenever you hear anybody refer to you could buy a slice of a stock, it means that you don't have enough money to buy the one full stock. So you're buying portions of it with other people. I don't I mean, I guess it's okay if the point of it's just to get appreciation of it, but I get I did the dividend slice out too. I'm not 100% sure how it works. I don't know how I personally feel about that. Um, it's something new that I've come across that I'm not super familiar with. But again, I enjoy just buying businesses. Uh, that's where I enjoy spending my um, money. Like today, I bought some MGM stock. And, um, if you know, I'm a big fan of Pepsi. So I like buying individual companies. Um, I don't know how I feel purchasing a share of it. It would be like buying a timeshare with some group of people, I would imagine. Um, and so, but I would say do some more research on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin, um, and on, on different digital currencies, because I think that as we go into the future, the, the services that surround the digital currencies and technologies that come from digital currencies uh, is something that you might be able to take advantage of if you're an entrepreneur. Um, and that's something that I've been talking to John about and looking at and seeing how we can maybe capitalize on this, on, on the service side of the coin or mining of the coin um, as you would have it. If you're not familiar with what coin mining is, I would also recommend that you go and research that. Um, it's really fun. It's fascinating. I think that you uh, should know about it at least um, since it is and how it works because it is becoming more prevalent. And now you're getting more ways in which you can spend money. So like I have crypto.com. I mainly did that because I was referred to it by someone and we both, I got 25 bucks. I haven't invested anything on top of that yet. Um, and so, but it come, you can get a card, like a Visa card that goes with it. And then that's how you can access the funds in that account. So when you utilize it, it sells whatever is not in a cash position off of the coin. Um, and then you get that. But like, let's say you have money and you get like a jump in like 20 or 30, and then you spend some of that money. It takes that money and it goes to pay for stuff. And then you're, money's always inside whatever the currency is that you do. And so as we progress in this, we're able to buy, we're able to convert instantaneously from the digital currency to the, the U.S. currency or whatever currency you're buying in. I think that that's going to make people understand it a little bit better. And then eventually, hopefully, we can have more places that are willing to accept the digital currencies as they become a actual form of currency that's not owned by the, the government, which... 
I am for the community owning stuff and the community having access to everything, which is kind of weird because people think the opposite of socialism is communism, but it's not. It's where the people own everything and the people have access to everything. Uh, so just something to think about, not to get into politics on the show, because this show is about helping you go further and faster in finance. I stole that from a guy on YouTube. I don't remember who it was that I stole that from. Um, but if we can go get people more educated on finance, educated on taxes, our kids more financially literate, then we will have better businesses and better people in our communities. And that's what we are trying to do here at the Age of Jeremy show. So I will be right back after this short break. Also, too, just to plug another amazing company, that's PepsiCo. And I did not know this, but I found this out today that Bubbly owns or bubbly owns pepsico pepsico owns a bubbly which is the sparkling water which i'm drinking right now refreshing all right so it's tax time i don't have a podcast to play for you today mainly because december is such a strenuous month for me we have danielle's birthday that's my wife we have EJ's birthday. That's my nephew, but I forgot about his birthday. So if Priscilla, you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. And I'll get Evie lots of cool stuff for her birthday because Evelyn's birthday is in February. And then we have Ariana's birthday that's coming up in January. And then I think, yeah, Jesse's birthday. That's my father-in-law. His birthday is in December. Then we have my anniversary in December. And we also have Christmas in December. And then there's New Year's. And then my mom's is like a few days before December starts. My wife's birthday is in December, December 1st, I think. Hopefully she's not listening to this. And it is December 1st. And it is, I think it's December 1st. Now I'm confused. Maybe it's December 2nd. Anyway, not important. I mean, it is important, but not important right now. What is important is December is busy, and I have been go, 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 getting everything organized for going into this new year and all the amazing things that Age of Radio is going to bring and Age of Jeremy is going to bring. But the thing that stresses me out the most for the first half of the year are taxes. And why is that? Because taxes are super, super important, and planning for taxes is more powerful than any other thing that your financial advisor can do for you. I'm going to say that again. Tax planning is the most important thing over anything else that your financial advisor can do for you. I would say tax planning will, the amount of money that you will save planning for taxes and tax planning as you grow your wealth and as you grow your business it will be more valuable than what your financial advisor tells you to invest in for retirement or what you should be investing in with your money that you get from your business or the money that you get from your earned income. That is the number one important thing that financial advisors should be able to do. And if they can't talk to you about that planning and that tax planning, which I'm not going to talk to you about today, I'm going to talk to you about different things about taxes, but um, if they can't help you with their tax planning, then I would recommend that you go and find a new financial advisor. Um, Now, if you are just a regular W-2 employee that just does a 1040 every year, you can still benefit from decent tax planning to make sure that you don't have a large tax liability. But again, I'm hoping that you're a small business owner on this show. And so that being said, you need to have a good advisor or CPA, doesn't really need to be a CPA, but an accountant that can help you with tax planning. Because again, over your lifetime, you will save more in taxes than you probably will gain on your interest from your investments. I'm going to say that one more time. You will gain more from tax planning than you will on the interest from your investments. 
tax planning is super, super important. And a lot of people don't even know how taxes work. And that's one of the main things. Actually, that is the thing that I wanted to talk about. But the other reason why I brought up December and why I don't have a podcast for you real quick is because I got sick again because... Uh, we were exposed, unfortunately, to um, someone who might have been exposed to COVID. And then I don't know if I made it up in my head or I caught a cold or a bug or whatever, but I got sick for a couple of days. And so then that set me back towards this latter half of the week. And so I didn't have a good chance to find a good podcast that I wanted to bring to you to listen to. Um, But there are billions of podcasts out there. So I encourage you to go look some up. Some of the best podcasts are on the Age of Radio Network. That's ageofradio.org. Go and check out our podcast. Now, the biggest thing that people don't understand about taxes, and hopefully you understand this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about just some basic concepts here just to kind of get you started. Um, the other thing is, too, since it's January, get done with your taxes early. Don't wait until April 15th um, it, because it's just... It's good planning. It's good to get taken care of, and especially if you're a small business. Now, if you're a small business owner, and you might have to do some other stuff before you can file your taxes, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, in, in a few moments. But the first thing is, first thing is we hear a lot of people that in, that are in high school, in college or out, right out of high school in college. Um, one of the things that I hear the most is I don't want to get this large pay increase because it's going to take and change my income bracket. And part of that is true. Half of it is not. So most of it is inaccurate. I guess I should say most of it is inaccurate. So what happens, the way that our system works in the United States, which I am a fan of, is a progressive tax system where the more money that you make, the more your dollar gets taxed, okay? So we call them marginal tax rates. So depending on how you're filing, we're just going to use single and married for this specific explanation. On the first $9,950, and these can change every year, change with new administration, all kinds of stuff, okay? So when people say that they're reducing taxes for the wealthy, it means can mean a lot of things, but it, it usually means that we're reducing the tax brackets at the top, we're lowering their taxes, okay? Or it means that we're giving more tax, we're, we're having the corporations pay less tax, okay? So, up to $9,950, you pay 10%. That's a bracket. Okay, so let's say you only make $9,950 for the year. You only owe 10% of that, which would be $950. Okay, so there, then there's the next bracket. And these are for 2021. This is from IRS.gov. So on that next tax bracket, so for the dollar over $9,950, so at $9, that $1, if you were $9,951, that gets that $1 gets taxed at 12%, not the entire amount. That first $9,950 still gets taxed at 10%. Okay, and then we have the next bracket, which is, um, which is going to be 12% over $9,950, okay? And then that goes up to $40,525 for individuals. Actually, you know what? I don't like this. We're just going to do this for singles. Hold on one sec. Uh, There's a better website than this. I don't like the IRS.gov one. They made it more complicated than it needs to be. Here. 
We'll go to taxfoundation.org. I like their explanation better. Okay, so up to so so this is for unmarried for single people. So we're gonna do single single people first. So you owe ten percent up to nine hundred nine thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars if you're single. Okay. From $9,951 to $40,525, you only owe 12%, okay? Then from $40,526 to $86,375, you're going to owe 22%. Then $86,376 to $164,925, you owe 24%. Then the next bracket is $164,926 to $209,425. You're going to owe 32%. And then the next bracket is 35% and then 37%, anything over $523,000. Go to taxfoundation.org uh, forward slash 2021 tax brackets. I'll put the, 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 the URL in the show description so you can get an idea because this is one of the biggest misconceptions about taxes that bothers the piss out of me. You can literally, if you only have one source of income, okay, and you take out any deductions, right, which we'll talk about in a second, you'll get your taxable income and you can literally manually calculate your income super easy by placing it in these different tax brackets. And that's one of the best things that you can just do as a person if you don't want to go and pay someone to help tax plan. Right. Tax planning involves a lot more. But let's say that you just want to kind of get an idea of of what you you have to pay. You can just go and calculate this for yourself. Okay. now it's different for married individuals. Like for married individuals, we only have to pay 10 percent up to nineteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Okay, which (laughs) I guess the idea is that. Because there's the two people, even if the two people aren't working, because there's more expenses, they don't have to pay such a, a large tax liability. Um, so essentially, it's almost it's essentially double from what the individuals is. So it's kind of as if you were two people. Makes sense because you're married, right? So up to nineteen thousand nine hundred for ten percent, then nineteen thousand nine hundred and one to eighty one thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars is twelve percent. Then eighty one thousand fifty one dollars to one hundred and seventy two thousand. And $750 is 22% and so forth and so forth. And then it's also different if you're a head of a household. Um, if you don't know what a head of a household is, it's like if you have a, um, uh, if you're taking care of, like you have a dependent, um, but you're single, you could be considered head of household, right? Um, if you have a, uh, a family member that's living with you with a portion of your expenses, go to that individual, you could be considered head of household. Okay, so that's how the tax brackets work. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. Now, corporations have tax bracket structure that's kind of um, is is a little bit different. It doesn't have a progressive system. It just has essentially a flat tax. I believe it's 25% now if you have a C corporation um, that's taxed as a C corp, a corporation that's taxed as a C corp rather than as a uh, S corp. Okay. Now, the other big misconception is how deductions work. So essentially, whenever you hear people saying that they're going to write something off, it just means that there's an expense, okay, that took place during the the year that you don't have to pay taxes on, okay? So for instance, if you're an individual and you have a house, okay, and you pay interest expense on that house, 
Um, actually, I think that the house interest expense moved away. I think Trump got rid of that. So maybe that was a bad example. Um, uh, hold on. So let's say you have student loan debt. Student loan debt, perfect example. So if you have student loan debt and you have an interest expense on that student loan debt, okay? So you're paying your monthly principal, but there's like $600 that you pay a year that's interest expense. That $600 you don't have to pay taxes on. Okay, that would be a that would be what's called a deduction. Okay, so we have what's called a standard deduction, and we also have what is called a um, uh, credits. So you have deductions and credits. So deductions are the expenses, but there's also a standard deduction which change every year depending and also depending on the administration. So if we look up the standard deduction for 2021, which you can do yourself on your whatever um, on your tablet or phone or computer. Okay. So if you're married file jointly, that's me, we can take off $25,100 off of our income. So <coughs> Danielle and I make, let's say Danielle and I this year make 150,000. Well, after when you look at your W2 form, you're going to see that taxable income that's on there <coughs> because you won't have to pay taxes if you're contributing to a 401k or if you're, um, doing certain types of contributions. Uh, maybe your company does a charitable giving thing and you do that. You traditionally don't have to pay taxes on that. Um, your uh, medical expenses, depending, I'm trying to think of everything that's not taxable on mine. I think the medic, the health insurance money goes out first. That doesn't cause a taxable, that reduces the taxable income. And then uh, the 401k I know does, and there might be some other things. So you just look at your stub and it'll show you what is being taken out before taxes and what's not. And so it'll give you a taxable income usually on your W, on your um, your pay stub every week if you're a W-2 employee um, or every other week or how often you get paid. And so that number is then, so let's say me and Danielle make 150000 and taxable income from that 150000 is 120000 20, and $125,100, okay? So we make 150000 gross, but after the 401k and everything else that's deducted before that, then we come out to 125100 Well, if our standard deduction is 25100 then we decrease that from our 125100 which means that we would have to pay taxes on $100,000. Then we take that $100,000 and we place it in the specific bracket, and then it tells us what tax we pay at each bracket, okay? Now, if you take what you owe and you divide it by what you, what you started with, that's what's considered an effective tax rate. Okay, and so your effective tax rate may be like 18%, but you paid different tax brackets. Now, as you go up in tax brackets, your effective rate's going to change because you're going to be paying more taxes. But your overall taxable income, when you say I'm gonna, it's going to put me in a different tax bracket, that whole income doesn't get taxed at that larger amount. Just the amount that falls in that tax bracket. And that's the thing that I wanted to kind of stress because I don't know if I, we're not teaching this to any civilians for some reason. We're not teaching this in schools. And it's a really basic concept, especially since we're going to have to pay taxes probably until forever, till we die. And then even then, I'm sure we'll be taxed somehow. Okay. Now, all of this talk about taxes, I just want to reiterate, does not mean that I'm against taxes. I am against overpaying any types of taxes, okay, and taxes that are being excessive. And I'm not a huge fan of taxes that are forced on people to make the, make 
us do something specifically, which brings me to credits. So credits are traditionally different than deductions because deductions takes off of our taxable income. Credits are money that just goes towards that we get, right? So if we think of if we think of this and we think of um I had a really good, really good explanation of it up, and I lost it. So give me one second. So a, duct so a deduction can only lower your taxable income and the tax rate that is used to calculate your tax. So in our case, where we got down to $100,000, that was utilizing the standard deduction. Okay. Now, a credit reduces your tax, giving you a larger refund of your withholding, but certain tax credits can give you a refund even if you have no withholding. So a credit just is what it sounds like. It's a credit. And traditionally, like solar panels, let's say you get solar panels on your house and the government gives you a tax credit for doing that. Or you get a, you get a credit per child for having children, right? Up to two or three, I think it is. And so those are credits where that money just goes towards you. Now, if you have a large debt, like we owed $3,000, I think, still in taxes for 2019 when we did our taxes in 2020 for 2019, if we had any credits, it would have just been put towards that $2,500. Now, if it, if it had taken it down to zero and over, then we would have got that money back. Another credit that we get, if you have a chance to give to your local public school, they are a certain type of nonprofit that allows for a tax credit in the state of Arizona. So up to $800, I think. So if we give $800 to a school, right, I get that $800 back in a credit at the end of the year, okay? So I give $800 today, I write a check. I can probably take that for 2020 or for 2021 or 2021 taxes. But let's say I did that. When we file taxes for twenty in twenty twenty two for twenty twenty one, I can get that eight hundred dollars back as a tax credit. Okay, that's how those work. Now, real quick, I used the standard deduction when I was doing those expenses. If you if you have a large enough deductible expenses, okay, that are over the standard deduction, you can take the that larger expense deduction. Um, so there are certain things that can happen, whether they're medical expenses, home expenses, um, talk to a tax professional, they can go all over all of those types of deductions with you uh, as an individual. If those, if those amounts go over that standard deduction amount, then you can take that instead of that standard deduction. And that's essentially how you get to your taxable income um, by reducing that. And that works very similar when we think of a business. Okay. So when a business has profit coming in, then they have their expenses. All of those expenses are deductions. And some of those expenses that a business can take, they can't take deductions on. So like for meals, meals, I believe, I think there's a, a change in this because of the coronavirus and small businesses, but we'll take meals. Traditionally, you can only half that expense. So if we had meals and um, meal expense for like $1,000 for the year, we could only take an expense of $500 to reduce from our profit, which gets us to our net income, which is the money that we get taxed on as business owners, okay? And so as a business owner, you're either a, you're traditionally an LLC nowadays, um, eh, which is a pass-through entity. So if you're not familiar with business um, and you're thinking about starting a business, you wanna really think about the entity that you want to form. 
So a lot of people do sole proprietorships, not the best way to go. Essentially, a sole proprietorship, anytime you take on a job, you become a 1099 for that person, um, and then they file a 1099, and you would pay whatever the 1099 taxes on that specific portion of um, income, or they just give you the money and you file a different type of form for being a, a um, sole proprietor. Again, talk to a tax professional. Um, so the sole proprietorship piece is that the better thing to do is because it doesn't protect you li liability. A corporation is probably the best way to go, but a corporation has a lot of rules and regulations that go along with it. And there's two types of corporations as far as the tax man's concerned. You can either be a C corporation, which tax at the corporate level um, tax rate, which like I said, I believe is 25%. So in our case where we had our profit minus our investments equals our, our net income, uh, I'm sorry, a profit minus our expenses equals our net income, that net income would be taxed at that corporate rate, okay? And it pays its own separate taxes. And then any money that you took from your business in the form of distributions or in the form of dividends, uh, which it would usually how you would distribute through a corporation in the form of dividends, um, you would pay a certain taxable rate on that type of income. And then you would also pay any type of earned income that you pay yourself traditionally as a W-2. So a lot of the times when you have a corporation, like for instance, John, we do John as a 1099 employee, and we're going to be moving that to a W-2 employee and myself to a W-2 employee and Kev to a W-2 employee and so forth and so forth. So we can better tax plan um, for the individuals and then also to keep in line with the, the proper uh, legality of 1099 versus W-2, which we're not going to talk about right now. Um, so, so that's a C-Corp. So it has that taxation on the income that comes in and then the income that the individual gets. Um, and then we have, we have an S-Corp, okay? That's a type of tax designation where that money, that, that net profit bleeds through into the individual's income. So let's say, let's say Age of Radio had a net profit of $100,000 you know, and I own 50% of that and uh, you know, someone else owns 50%, John uh, owns, we'll say John owns 50% for this argument. So, so John owns 50%, well, John would have to pay taxes on that 50,000, I would have to pay taxes on my 50,000 and that money bleeds through to our, our individual income, okay? And then there are certain things that you can do on whether or not you'll actually pay it in that given year. Again, consult a tax professional. But corporations, in my opinion, are the best way to manage businesses because it allows you to create a board of directors. That board of directors can give you insight. Um, it helps you think at an enterprise level. Uh, you have uh, uh, it, it keeps it more structured because you have to think about how a business kind of, you know, how we would think about businesses many, many years ago. A bunch of people come together, they have an idea. They say, I'm gonna put pop in $10,000 here, you're gonna pop in 10,000, you're gonna pop in 10,000, we're gonna start with 30,000. Okay, well, how do we govern all of this? Okay, well, we'll start a board. You know what, I don't. I, I just wanna be on the board, I don't wanna do any of the work, um, but here's my $10,000, but I just wanna seat on the board. Or maybe I give $30,000, I don't do any work, but I get a seat on the board. So I get to say what specifically happens. Um, and, and with what happens to the profits, what happens with the who gets hired as the CEO and so forth and so forth. And that's traditionally how um, you can also utilize that corporation concept to keep um, family owners in control of a family business and so forth. Uh, so that's that's essentially corporations. And there's lots of other benefits to corporations. Um, but what we now usually have a lot of or what are called LLCs, and that's just because they're easy to manage. They don't require the requirements that a corporation has. Um, and you can be a single member LLC where everything can bleed through to your 
um, tax returns. You don't have to file separate taxes um, if you're a single member LLC. And it works very similar as far as that S Corp goes. <clears throat> um, usually with an LLC, you'll have an operating agreement that lays everything out, um, but it is a layer of liability protection for the business owner uh, as they go into business. So the business gets sued and they it, it makes it more difficult to go after the personal assets. One of the biggest misconceptions is that you can't go after personal assets, but there are certain instances where, where in you can go after the personal assets of the business owner, even if there is an LLC in place. But traditionally, most people are told to do an LLC because it's easy and it gives you that liability protection. But again, I'm a big fan of corporations. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, and boards and governance and things like that. So I would do your research and really learn how those different business entities work and see one might be better for you. There's also the corporation that is community owned where everybody's a shareholder, um, which is something that we're trying to get to with age of, uh, I'm sorry, with October Revolution Corporation, which is my portion of my ownership of Age of Radio is through that corporation. Um, and so there are some benefits to that and some things that I think might be difficult, um, but I think in the long run, that helps create wealth equality um, in our society. And I think that that's uh, one of the things that I like uh, researching about is how we can do that with corporations. Because again, corporations in, are one of the most fascinating entities, in my opinion. So what should you do for your taxes? So I know that that was a lot of quick stuff. This might be have been better as a video, but I just hope that it gets your mind thinking about taxes. Um, so before, before we go, I would recommend that if you are an individual that only has W-2 income, nothing else, just use TurboTax. Um, I, software's really good. Saves you the hassle of meeting with an H&R block person or, you know, Liberty Services or whatever. Those people, sometimes they're enrolled agents and enrolled agents who someone who goes through um, testing to be certified as a um, tax professional to represent you, you in front of um, the courts. If there is a tax uh, discrepancy or a tax uh, audit or something along those lines. Um, they are very good. Most of the time, H&R Block and Turbo, or sorry, Liberty Services, and those places don't have enrolled agents on staff. They usually have enrolled agents that you can get in contact with if you need it. Um, Jackson Hewitt was the other one. Um, if you have, if you need to do a 1040A um, and you have a lot and you need to do a 1040A and you also have different forms of income, such as 1099 income or business income, you know, it might be beneficial to go and meet with someone from H&R Block to do that. Um, as you progress and your wealth gets more and more, you'll probably want to get in contact with um, an accounting firm to do a lot of that where they may or may not have a CPA on file. I have jealousy against CPAs because you have to work as a CPA in the state of Arizona for 2,000 hours, I think it is, along with passing um, your CPA exam to become a certified public accountant. Um, but essentially, it means that you can attest to uh, financial statements when you do have that board certification. And because I don't have, I guess, 
don't want to go and get the 2,000 hours. I feel that I should be able to take the test and be a uh, certified public accountant. But again, that's just my my own jealousy of the situation. Um, so, But for your basic small business needs, you don't need a CPA. But CPAs can be beneficial as you get into more complex tax planning. Um, or uh, And so maybe they should have some on staff um, for you to be able to see. Uh because hopefully as you grow and you learn from this podcast and the other stuff that you're doing in your businesses, you will be able to have more wealth and utilize things that are available to the wealthy to um, minimize your type of your tax burden and control over your your money. Um, so uh, one thing I do want to clear up because um, <laughs> I enjoy taxes. Uh, there was a point where I just wanted to get my master's in taxation. Um, I think taxes are great because it gives us the opportunity to um, create communities and um, government. And governance is the thing that I like. Government, on the other hand, has individuals that only care about themselves and aren't 100% thinking about the community, which can be difficult for a lot of people. And I understand that. Um, But I think that uh, taxes are beneficial because we can build roads, we can build firehouses, we can, you know, use that money to uh, uh, maybe help build something like a stadium where the Cardinals can play. (laughs) Um, We can build really strong schools. Uh, I I have a sense of community. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I like taxes, but it's our responsibility to make sure that people aren't abusing that tax power and overtaxing people and not doing the things that they should be doing with those those taxes. The other thing too is, is if you um, don't want to have your tax go to the government, which I don't think all of your money should go to the government as a form of taxes, I think that you should use certain vehicles to reduce that tax benefit, that tax liability so that you can control more of it so you can give back to the community in a way that you want to give back to the community. And that's one of the great things about having family foundations um, and having nonprofits and things of that nature and being involved with those charitable organizations so that you can keep control of your money Right. And you can dictate what it does and how and where you want it to go for how you feel that society should go. And so that's one of the things that I hope that we can get in our mindsets of everybody wanting to be wealthy, because the people that have the wealth, um, no matter what your conspiracy theories believe in or not, um, with the people that have the wealth have the ability to lobby. And when you have the ability to lobby, you have the ability to push things in your favor. And so corporations, because they have so much money, they can pay lobbyists to go and push things in their favor, which isn't in the best interest of all of the people. And so, and the same thing for wealthy, rich people who own those corporations, they can do the same thing to push things in their favor. And so I encourage you to really set a, sit down, plan out your wealth, learn to plan out your taxes. Um, as, as we create more and more wealth for ourselves, right, that's one of the biggest things that we need to start doing um, and and getting to because now we have three or four other sources of income that are coming in, right, very small, still relatively small, um, but it still creates a taxable event. And so you need to still plan for those taxable events as money comes in to make sure that you don't get hit with a hard, you know, tax bill at the end of the year that you haven't set aside for. So I encourage you to get up to date on your taxes, uh, get up to date on your wealth planning, and I encourage you to read, think, dive into the things that wealthy people do. Not in the sense that where everybody online is like, you know, just use debt to buy real estate and 
you know, all of that shit, like those financial gurus. I'm talking about like really understanding what wealthy people do. Read biographies about the Warburgs, the Rothschilds, um, about uh, um, those are the only two that come to mind, the Rockefellers, the, the Morgans, and take the good things from them, right, that you can find, because there's a lot of bad things that they did, probably, um, uh, at least some things that I think were bad. Take the good things from them, learn what you can from them, and then go and build your business. Because building a business is just selling the thing that you're good at to people, right? So you, everybody is good at something. Find out what that is for you and then learn how you can sell people if that's something that you're interested in. And that's how you build wealth through operating entities. So I enjoy talking to you. I hope that you guys have a great New Year's and we will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.